Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 189. It is Thanksgiving, so instead of playing something from Twisted Reunion, we're going to go with Stuffed, which is off of Morsels of Mayhem. That story is a Thanksgiving story, so make sure to listen to it with your entire family. Let me know what you think. Maybe not the little ones, but whatever. It's not that terrible. Not very, not very violent at all. All right. Yesterday I was thinking about just... I was talking with my wife and looking at all the photos that we have on the wall. I think I have made three or four different collages for her for Mother's Day of all the different photos of that year or that those two years highlights of her and the kids. And just looking through them, I was just, you know, it's like, man, I never thought I would have this. I never expected this. There's nothing on that wall because there's plenty of pictures with me with the kids too, having fun, being on vacation, just messing around, all these different things. But looking, I was like, there's nothing there that that I would change that I wish I could add to it, like something like some kind of accomplishment or something that maybe I wish I could have been or a famous football. Like, there's none of that stuff. It's like, I'm just incredibly grateful for all those opportunities. The fact that I've been a stay-at-home dad, that I've seen so much of my kids' lives, so that I've been able to be a part of it. But honestly, you know, just each of those moments and most of them I don't remember my memory is shit looking at them it's like okay I kind of got the idea of it but it showed it it was enough to remind me it's like yeah I had a ton and ton of awesome experiences incredibly grateful if I died today I'd be fine with it because I did have all this stuff that I never thought I would have I never thought I would have a family like this this kind of life you know financial stuff and all that those are all just bonuses, you know, health is awesome. Grateful for that. Yeah. Just overall, incredibly grateful for my life. Another thing I've been thinking about that I'm very grateful for is what I did with TBI or CTE with that book. I'm so glad that I started it. That was such a difficult process. It's not one that I enjoyed at all. Yeah. Incredibly hard, depressing, (laughs) cost a lot of money, but so grateful because I completely changed my life. I wouldn't be here now talking about it, especially in this frame of mind, if I hadn't done these things, if I hadn't looked at the damage, if I hadn't been willing to take that risk. I'm grateful for my co-authors. I just read a super cool section of Trends Today in a Dark Fairy Tale by Evan Bachman. That's how I started this morning. And I was also looking at John Palisano's short story, Trends Today in Hellhole. So it's just super cool. And then last week, I just spent all this time doing the death scenes for or death scene suggestions for Duncan Rouse's Ghostland, which I have read back and forth. Awesome book. But just how incredible that is. So I was like, I'm incredibly grateful to all these different authors that are working with me. I'm grateful for anyone that reads my books that wants to listen to me talk. I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> there aren't too many people that I want to listen to. I don't have a lot of time for that. So if anyone wants to spend their time reading one of my books or short stories or listening to it, hearing me on here, reading my emails, whatever that is, I'm incredibly grateful because to me, that's a big thing. So I'm honored. I'm grateful. Even though just last week I was thinking, not depressed, but I was like, damn, I haven't released anything in a long time. It's been, I haven't released anything in, I think a year. So I think trying to die in the wizard's tower, which is currently free. I think it's free until Monday or so on Kindle. 
I think that and TBI or CT were both released around this time last year. And I haven't released anything since. Before that, I was releasing at a faster rate. But this year, I just haven't put anything out. So that was a little depressing. But Trying to Die in the Wild West is coming out soon. Not sure when. Still waiting on the editor. Actually, we'll be talking to the editor today. So I'll find out when that's getting released. I'm guessing we're still about a month out to get everything ready. But then... Right after that, Death Best won't be that far behind that. And then what do we have? Either Ghostland or who knows which one's going to hit after that. But it's cool. There's so many are in the works. Looking at what is ahead, man, there's just so much stuff. I, I remind myself, I have to try to convince myself of this, is it doesn't matter if I release one more book, five more books, ten more books. About, like Eventually, I'm going to die, and it won't matter how many books I have out. It's not going to really change my life at all. No amount of money is going to make me happier. I might be able to do some cool shit with it. might be able to help out more people, stuff like that. But it's not going to improve my life. But whatever, I'm just rambling. It's early in the morning. I got up early. Not as early as I did the rest of the week. It's been a rough, rough night. Anyhow, I'm not going to complain because I know so many people have a much, much worse. Even my bitching about my back last week. You know, I have several... People write to me saying, oh, I hope your back feels better. But then they would explain what they're going through. I'm like, oh, no, my back wasn't that bad at all. And just, yeah, grateful that I'm back to moving, back to doing yoga, able to do this, able to recover from, you know, little things. So, uh, and that's one reason why I do enjoy those, you know, that correspondence, the back and forth, because it makes me realize like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I was upset about this. I was you know, I was looking at this maybe the wrong way. Look at this person. Look at how they're dealing with this kind of obstacle. So thank you for those letters. But another thing I'm finally getting done is I'm redoing the cover for 25 Perfect Days plus five more. I absolutely love the cover that I have. You can barely see it up there. My buddy Carl Domini did that photo with the cross and the light behind it. Amazing. But it doesn't say anything about the book being dystopian. It's not how we are you know, doing all these author courses, like, okay. And looking at the top dystopian books, you see that there is a formula. I didn't want to use that formula for the book. My first version of the book I did, 25 Perfect Days original, it was more of that kind of cover. But then I went with my ego and wanted to use this other one. But now I'm like, okay, business-wise, I need to use a cover that says this is a dystopian book come check it out. So that is what I'm doing. And we are going to put that on. That should be ready in about a week or two. I've been, I put it up in my dark and disturbing Facebook group. Got on the first two cover ideas and got some really cool feedback. So I'm just waiting on that, but yeah, hopefully that will be done soon. And then I'll put that on sale for 99 cents. TBI or CTE is currently 99 cents. So I think until December 5th. So let your friends know about that. If they have kids that are playing a contact sport, if they had played sports as a kid, they've had any kind of brain injuries or are worried about dementia, I think it definitely could help them. So, and the audiobook, which could be a lot easier for people to listen to if they have attention problems, stuff like that, or concentration problems is only $2.99. That's at Chirp, Apple, Barnes & Noble, all that good stuff. So this is going to be a short one again because you guys are here for the story, right? So you want to hear stuffed. 
If you want to read it, you can get it for free by joining my newsletter. Please do that. If you're not already on my newsletter list, please do that. I share links to the podcast on the newsletter, as well as whatever sell I have going on, whatever free books are happening, links to other people's stuff, and just an update on what I'm doing with my life and writing stuff. Anyhow, so sign up for the newsletter at marktulius.com. That's my website. If you haven't been there, check it out. Morsels of Mayhem is there. Sign up for the newsletter. You get that free. You can also pay 99 cents and just buy the thing at Amazon or some other bookstore. So whatever you want. And check out the audiobook if you enjoy it. There's three short stories. One of them is stuffed. And then there's Paying the Price, which is kind of a precursor to TBI or CTE. The audiobook is narrated by Gabriel Michael. Hope you guys enjoy it. And I will talk to you later. Peace. Stuffed. Everyone equates Thanksgiving with fun times and family. But not me. As kids, we'd love shoveling down favorite foods and delicious desserts, but by the time it was dark, we'd be laid out on the floor in a food coma. Meanwhile, the women would gossip and clean up the kitchen, and the men would hoot and holler at the football teams. Tempers flaring with lost bets. That eat until you burst mindset was too hard to shake. And here I am, 40 years later. Having overweight parents didn't help my odds, but it's my dislike of exercise that got me ending up like this. My fat ass stuffed on the couch. To make matters worse, my posture is terrible. Every day I sink a little deeper into the sofa. My shoulders slumping forward, my man boobs resting on top of my bulging belly. Man, those were so embarrassing. Especially in high school. But Sandra said they didn't bother her. None of me did. But that was also when she was 50 pounds heavier and still believed we were both just big boned. God damn it! Bobby says loud enough to hear through the wall. His bedroom door flies open and all ten years and two hundred pounds of him barrels into the living room. His curly blonde hair smashed down by his cherry red headphones. Stop shooting! He yells into the mouthpiece. He slams the door closed, the bang loud enough to give someone a heart attack. Bobby! Sandra yells from upstairs. There's no way of knowing if Bobby heard her. He hurries past me without a word, jumps on the recliner all while grabbing the charger, the most graceful I've seen him. Hold on, he says to his online friends. I've got to plug in. Bobby! Sandra shrinks. He raises the headphone an inch from his ear. Without taking his eyes off the screen, he shouts, What? Sounding like he really wants to add, The hell do you want? Don't slam doors! His headphone slips back and tells his friend, It's nothing. Bobby pounds buttons, his eyes narrow. I'm back, motherfuckers, he says, keeping it low. Sandra would lose her shit if she knew how bad Bobby's language was. But I'd be a hypocrite to say anything. When I was Bobby's age, I cussed like crazy. And he's dealing with it ten times more than I ever had to. Three seconds of silence, then Bobby blurts out.
Did you see that? Oh my god, I nailed his ass! Buttons smash and he scrunches his face, dimpling those chubby cheeks. Stop shooting me! Hey, stop shooting! I said stop it! He's like this all day. Can you hear me? Don't make me kick you. Kick him. Do it. Kick him. Nonstop. My new white noise. The TV's off. My reflection an unnecessary reminder of my pitiful existence. They'll turn it on when Sandra's parents get here, but there won't be any football, that's for sure. Now that I have no say. The TV's 77 inches. Biggest one I've ever owned. The price tag's at 3600 but I worked them down to 3200 A week and a half of work. It's kind of sad, but it isn't until you start running out of time that you notice how much you've sacrificed for everything. What you've given up for objects. The entertainment center had to be custom white oak because we couldn't risk a crappy Ikea piece falling over or anyone judging us for having it. Two more weeks spent at the office and client dinners ensuring I wasn't around for any of the framed photographs adorning the center. Another huge time suck was the walnut floorboards. Ten more days of work just to pay for it in here and the kitchen. The glass coffee table represents an overnight trip. The hairdryer upstairs makes me realize Bobby's being quiet. His mouthpiece pulled up. He's still watching his screen, but his hand is digging around in the side of the recliner. He brings out a full-sized snicker bar and tears it open, pushes the melting bar into his mouth. The bar is finished in seconds, and Bobby licks the inside of the wrapper before balling it up and sticking it in his pocket. Again, I can't say anything. I'm the one who hid the bars there and who made Sandra buy them. Thirty bucks a bag to get Bobby and me through the week. Barely a half hour of work. Bobby wipes his mouth with the back of his hand and puts the mouthpiece down. Those headphones were sixty bucks. And that's his fourth pair this year. The gaming platform cost two hundred, but the game was free. The skins, emotes, and all the other stupid shit that he pleaded for, adding on an easy hundred. About a day and a half of work so he can screw off his entire life looking at a screen. But if we calculate the cost per hour used, then we're talking pennies. Just like the TV, his gaming is priceless. At one point, we'd limited Bobby's screen time, but that was before everything changed. The gaming keeps him busy, if not quiet. No one else in this house can give him what he needs right now anyhow. Plus, at least he's interacting with real people, which is more than Mal does. The doorbell rings and there's a quick knock on the door. Bobby's back talking smack to his friends and I'm not getting up. The hairdryer turns off. Bobby! Sandra shouts. Get the door! I assume he can't hear her. Three seconds of silence and Sandra says, Malibu, answer the door! Mal stomps down the stairs, wearing all black with matching eyeliner. I'm assuming Sandra hasn't seen her yet because I haven't heard her bitching how it's not very holiday appropriate. What the hell? Mal mumbles at Bobby, who's off in his own little world. She switches her paper back into her left hand and opens the door. I can't see what she's reading. Probably something about vampires or zombies. It's been nothing but darkness for the last three weeks. 
Mal disappears for a second and comes back with a white package and an angry face. That's bullshit, Bobby says. No ganging up on me. Mal locks the front door and chucks the package at Bobby, knocking the game out of his hand. Bobby tears off his headphones and screams. What the hell? It's yours. Why'd you throw it? How about you take off your damned headphones and answer the door? How about you go screw yourself? Mal storms off toward the stairs. Bobby whips the package back at her, the corner smacking the top of my head. <gasps> Look what you did! Mal hurries over and combs down my wig. Sorry, Dad. Her face is red when she yells at Bobby. You're such a jerk! Bobby heads for his room, eyes on the game. My stupid-ass sister just got me killed, he says, slamming the door behind him. Bobby! Sorry, Mom, Mal says toward the stairs. I hope Sandra hasn't always yelled like that. She never did when I was around, but I wasn't around much. We'd agreed early on that the kids in the house would be her responsibilities, while I went out and made the money. If she has to yell to control them, I can't really argue. Mal pats the back of the wig down and tries to smile. I can see that she wants to, just like preschool, shy and afraid. She sits on the edge of the coffee table, barely fourteen and becoming a beautiful young woman. So smart, but so full of pain. It's been three weeks since she's been this close. The first day I got back from the procedure, she gave me a small hug I couldn't feel. The next day she hugged from behind and whispered in my ear, I love you. The following day was when Sandra went through my computer, found some things I wish she hadn't. Mal flips her book back and forth, a flash of black and bones on the cover. She clears her throat and says, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry I didn't. I hate that she apologizes for everything, especially when it's not her fault. There's no reason for her to see my side of things. I've never really been there for her. We never talked about anything important. No nuggets of wisdom passed down. It's like I've always been this useless. Mal lowers her head, her bangs hiding the tears as they drop to the floor. Last time she cried in front of me was a few years ago out of embarrassment. Her friend Cindy asked if I was stuck on the couch. She'd never seen me anywhere else. She starts to pick up my hand but stops with her fingers on my wrist. She pulls away and heads for the stairs. I'm sorry. I've never cried in front of another person. And God knows I won't now. I'm suffocating with realizations and regret. But I won't cry. If I started, there'd be no stopping. All I do know is that this is the worst mistake I've ever made. I never wanted or expected this. This wasn't part of the deal. But then again, the deal was verbal, and not something I could sue over. Sandra's coming down the stairs in a beautiful blue dress hugging her hips. She trips on the last step but catches herself, her eyes never leaving her phone. She sets it down on the coffee table and turns on the TV, changes the channel to CNN. In a cold whisper, she says, There you go. My sense of smell is gone, but I suspect she's wearing perfume. More than she needs, to go with all the makeup. 
Sandra straightens out the recliner so it's angled just so, then heads into the kitchen, leaving me with the news. I don't get upset about it anymore. It's just another circus to steal our attention and time. The phone vibrates, a message bringing the screen to life. Even upside down, I can see it's Carl, her friend from the gym. Sandra must have sensed the buzz because she's back, phone in hand, smiling as her fingers fly. That smile is what won me over 25 years ago. It's what kept our marriage going. I think it was real, most of the time, but the way she's smiling now, she'll never do it me again. Even if she would listen. Even if I could get the words out. It wouldn't do me any good explaining Tiffany and I never had sex. They were just photos and words, but we never crossed that line. Sandra sets the phone down. Malibu, Bobby, it's almost three o'clock, Mal says. I'll be right there. Of course, there's nothing from Bobby. Sandra ignores it and retreats to the kitchen. Still clad in black, knowing it's going to cause problems, Mal comes down with her book. The doorbell rings. I know it's Sandra's parents, because if Helen Vanderhoff is nothing else, she is punctual. I got it, Mal says walking behind me. Well, look at you, Helen says, now trying to hide her disappointment and making me glad I can't see the door. Hi, Grandma, Mal says, keeping it pleasant. I'm in the kitchen, Sandra yells. Coming, <laughs> Helen says, followed by a humph of indignity as she passes by. Come here, sweetheart, Roy says. You just ignore her. He whispers. I sure do. <laughs> I love you, Grandpa. Double for me, he says. The door closes and Roy pats my shoulder. Almost didn't recognize you without a drink in your hand. I'll go grab us some whiskeys. Mal knocks on Bobby's door. Get out here! She sits on the love seat and disappears into her book. <gasps> oh my! Helen gasps from the kitchen. How long has it been in here? It's fine, Mom, Sandra says. I put it in at 2.10. At 3.50? It'll be dry, honey. Hey, Sandy, Roy says. You're looking good. Thanks, you too. Oh, don't go telling him that. He'll believe it and will keep eating ice cream until he ends up like you-know-who. Mom, why don't you go warm up the beans? <laughs> Not here two minutes and already with the drinking. Roy doesn't say anything loud enough for me to hear. He sets my whiskey on the coffee table, then takes his drink to the end of the couch. That's one of the things I've always liked about you, Bob, he says as he turns up the TV's volume, eyes on the screen. You never let me drink by myself. Bobby slips out of his bedroom and stands beside the entertainment center. Without his game gear, he looks so much younger and less confident. Hey, Grandpa, he says with a small wave. Roy doesn't respond, too busy mumbling about the news. Bobby pulls his phone out of his back pocket and sits beside Mal, who's focused on her book. It's been three weeks, Helen says loud enough for everyone to hear. How much longer are you going to put up with this? Quiet down, Sandra says. You'll be out by Christmas. Roy 
turns up the TV. Bobby says, wow, that's kind of loud. He's right, but it's no match for Helen saying, well, it's disgusting. Not today, Mom. Not one to stop a conversation before she's ready, Helen says, well, it's just not right. It's not natural. Roy pauses the channel. Ladies, I think that's enough. Don't pretend it doesn't bother you. Roy brings a drink down on the armrest, splashes whiskey on the couch. It's none of your damned business. Why couldn't he just be cremated or buried like normal people? That question plays on a loop every moment of every day. So much worse to consider every day since the discovery of Tiffany's emails. Yeah, he could have been a diamond, Bobby says. Mal shakes her head and moves to the spot to my right. Roy says, Or a tree. That's what I'm going to do. No, you're not, Helen barks from the kitchen entrance. We have our plots. Jesus, Helen, Roy says. Will you ever stop? Helen acts like she's never heard this before, even though we've all heard it plenty. I'm sorry, but this isn't okay, Helen. This isn't okay, Helen says, pointing right at me. He shouldn't be here. He wanted to be here, Mal shouts, the loudest I've ever heard her. It was in his will. Mal's right about it being in my will, but I sealed the deal without telling any of them. Doc had only given me a 3% chance of making it through the month, and the taxidermist gave me a big break on the price. I could have gotten the procedure for free if I'd been healthy, but like the guy said, my heart and liver were useless. There was no way any of us could have known this would happen. That my soul would somehow stick to my body. I didn't even believe we have a soul. But how the fuck am I seeing, hearing, and thinking if my brain's been removed? That doesn't mean it's still not gross, Bobby says. Shut up, Bobby. Mal gets up in front of him and says, and turn off that goddamn game. You're not my boss. Kids, Sandra screams. Stop it. Mal snatches his phone and throws it across the room where it slams off the wall. Bobby pushes Mal's shoulders so hard her head snaps back and she trips on the coffee table. I'm afraid she's going to plunge right through the glass. But she manages to throw her body toward the couch. She's headed right for me and braces for the fall. I don't feel a thing as her hand punches through my stomach and fluid sack, deep into my stuffing, her elbow right where my belly button had been. Mal shrieks, ripping her arm out of me, the Build-A-Bear-like stuffing clinging to her forearm. I tip to the side, my head landing where Roy had been sitting, my insides oozing out. Roy's on his feet, trying to grab Mal. He shouts at Bobby, Look what you did! Bobby's face flashes red. She started it! He runs to his room and slams the door. Mal's hysterical, clawing at her arm. <laughs> Get it off! Sandra hurries over and wraps Mal in a hug. It'll come right off, Sandra says, taking her upstairs. I'll help you. Helen gasps, then falls beside the recliner. She clutches her blouse and says, My heart! Roy drops to his knees next to Helen. He cries out, 
Call 911. Mal's screaming upstairs. Sandra shushing her. Roy shouts for help. But no one answers him. There's only silence as I look down on my body. Roy hugging Helen on the floor. It feels like I'm floating. My vision growing dim. A final thought that there's always something to be thankful for.